This podcast is brought to you by Bet Rivers. Download the Bet Rivers app from the App Store or Google Play Store. Must be 21. Available in Ohio only. Void where prohibited. Terms and conditions apply. Gambling problem? Call 1 800 Gambler. Sports gaming is provided in partnership with Dayton Real Estate Ventures, LLC, DBA, Hollywood Gaming at Dayton Raceway. If you're a tennis fan, you'll love betting weekly game bet match on the Bet Rivers Network. Whether you're a better or just love tennis, you'll enjoy the in depth analysis each week of the tennis calendar. Subscribe to Game Bet Match today from your favorite podcast provider. It's Betting the Ponies on the Bet Rivers Network. Hi, everybody. Welcome. Betting the Ponies on the Bet Rivers Network. Monzo and Malusis. Early October here. We're getting ready for the Breeders' Cup moose, and as we reach early October, Keeneland's opened up for the fall, and as we've been talking about and, and teasing on this podcast, we're a month away from the Breeders' Cup, and we have a ton of Breeders' Cup preps uh, this weekend, kicking off at Keeneland all around the country. Yeah, a month out. I mean, we're a month away from uh, the big weekend out at Santa Anita. Can't wait. Going to be fired up. Got great racing from coast to coast all over the place this uh, this weekend. And um, we're going to be focusing in on all the stakes action at beautiful Keeneland uh, out in uh, out in Kentucky. So we're going to get into that. But uh, uh, if you're a pony player, this is it because this is the perfect time. The great weekend. You got a big uh, turf race at Aqueduct as well. It's it's going to be a fun weekend. And we were joking around before we started recording. If we went over every major stakes race this weekend, we'd be here for three hours. And let's be honest, we could do that. We've done it before. We've done long-form podcasts. But we will uh, go through the Keeneland stakes races. We'll put out some picks on social. Uh, we'll bust each other's balls uh, on our, in our text chain with me, you, and John. But uh, a good weekend coming up. We're going to look at Keeneland, one of my favorite tracks, one of my favorite meets. Moose, do you have a preference? Do you like the fall or the spring Keeneland meet better? Um, I like the fall because uh, the horses have rounded into form, get a little bit of a you know truer identity of what a horse is, um, and um, we ramp up to really the two, uh, arguably the two best betting days of the year. Like I like playing Royal Ascot in June. Um, you know, I was I was you know I I picked the horse Westover that ran second in the arc to the three year old last Sunday. Um, at Longchamp, so uh, we were talking about that over the weekend, so I was into that. Um, but, I mean, Breeders' Cup is as good as it gets. So I, I enjoy the fall Keeneland meet more than the spring. So going through this card, and we're going to start with race six at Keeneland on Saturday, which is the Woodford, a grade two event, five and a half furlongs on the turf, and really good horses. Bad beat Brian, six to one in the morning line, uh, who's really made a nice name for himself this year. I witness a horse really rounding in the form. Arzak, Olympic runner, uh, Coppola, our shot, uh, just really beer care, man. Really solid sprinters on the turf moose. Uh, looking up and down this field, a lot of speed, a lot of closers, a lot of directions you can go. You also have a, an invader, as you would like to say, living the dream coming in, who I know you probably took a very serious look at. Where'd you land? Who do you like? Uh, where are you here? Yeah, I, I did look at Living the Dream, who comes over and ran and, you know, has run in York over in Great Britain and Deauville in, in France. Um, I don't know. I I think it's I think it's a, a very, very intriguing race. Um, I landed I, – I went to the outside, um, and I went with Beer Can Man for Phil D'Amato and Flavion Pratt. Third start off the layoff, I know, has done – 
most of his damage, you know, ran well in parts two years ago in the turf monster, you know, was four to one that day, uh, ran second. I know people, well, at least I do get a little bit leery of horses coming, um, from the West coast to the East coast, just due to the quality of the competition out West as compared to the overall quality of the competition, you know, in, in East coast tracks, I know we're at Keeneland, I get it, uh, but you get the point what I'm making. Um, but that's where I landed, you know, outside, sits the trip, makes a run, buyer speed figures fit. Flavion Pratt, who you and I both love, uh, you know, is an unbelievable turf or, uh, turf jockey, especially when, when you're looking at timing these turf sprints. It's five and a half furlongs. Um, that's where I landed. Ran well last year at Keeneland, um, or I should say in the spring at Keeneland, an allowance race, finished fifth. Beaten by two lengths was the more, was the uh, favorite that day when the gates opened up. Has been working. Uh, Give me beer can man uh, sitting on the outside for Phil Damato, Le'Veon Pratt. Yeah, I landed on the eight. Our shot nine to two on the morning line. Um, the knock I have on this horse is they haven't been able to Terra Nova and the connections been able to find a consistent rider. If you look up and down, it's Castellano, Saez. Uh, Camacho, Gomez, Dylan Davis, now Tyler Gaffleone gets aboard. Well, that's a great upgrade to Tyler Gaffleone, who loves sprinting, is great sprinting on the turf, and especially at Keeneland and these Kentucky tracks. You've seen Tyler Gaffleone really make a name for himself. And what I like is, if you look at his last couple races, he's battled Thin White Duke and Big Invasion, two back, beat Arrest Me Red. Uh, a couple races ago, right here at Keeneland, beat Bound for Nowhere by three lengths. So this is a horse that's really... Gotten into form at four years old, loves sprinting, loves this distance, has the winning Keeneland. Keeneland's one of those tracks that if you listen to me talk on the podcast or listen to me when we did our older podcast or even hearing you on Twitter, I'm a big fan of, at certain tracks, horses that run well at that track. Keeneland's one of those tracks. I think that if you run well, you consistently run well at that track. Our shot has a win at Keeneland, has a win on the Keeneland turf uh, cherishes this distance, basically has hit the board five out of six times, a 500 batter, five for 10 in his career, getting better and appreciator of this distance. And I think he's going to get the pretty a pretty good setup. Coffee maker just was outside, flashes speed. Fox Trot Anna, Fox Trot Anna, that's a tough one-worded horse, shown plenty of speed in the past. So I think that rating trip by Gaffleone uh, really makes a lot of sense here. I'm a little concerned about the Euro Invader, um, just because – you just don't know what they're going to show. What I do know they're going to show, now this horse is coming off uh, you know, some really solid performances, is how quick are they going to be coming down the stretch. That's pretty much what they do. Is those last 100 yards, they just hit a new level. But I'm going to take the idea that this horse hasn't run on this track. We don't know what to expect, and I'm going to look for a bit of a price. 9-2 to two on the morning line. Um, I do like the horse on the inside, Bad B. Brian, who seems to like defy a lot of odds. He doesn't get a ton of respect on the board, but... Runs pretty well, runs to the lead. I know that where this horse, if this horse breaks, this horse is going to the lead with a couple other horses. I think this horse can outlast those horses and hit the board at a price of six to one. But our shot, nine to two on the morning line, my best bet in this race. Yeah. Um, and so I landed on, you know, I, I went all the way to the outside uh, with, uh, with my pick uh, in race six to Woodford with the uh, beer can man, the 11 at four to one on the morning line. 
Um, I'll throw your horse in underneath. Um, I think you make a solid argument nine to two. You're right about Tyler Gaffleone. And then I went to the inside, uh, bad beat Brian, who, if you've been listening to this podcast and hopefully you've been liking and subscribing it, um, each and every week, I like bad beat Brian when he ran in his turf sprint on the undercard of the Kentucky Derby at Churchill Downs and, and ran pretty well that day coming off a race, um, our Kentucky Downs in which he finished third. Uh, you know, led the majority of that race. Um, he's not going to be able to have controlling speed up front. Buyer speed figures do fit. I'd use him underneath. I think you have to throw the Euro Invader in, live in the dream. Has run in some Group 2 and Group 3 races over in Europe, a number of different countries. I think they're coming over here, obviously, with a purpose. Um, and I would use your horse under the knee. But um, I'm going to – I think it's a, a beer can man day uh, in race six, uh, the eleven. Uh, at Keeneland. Race 7 at Keeneland on Saturday, the TCA, a grade 2 event, Thorough Club, Thoroughbred Club of America, most six furlongs on the dirt. And to me, out of the races we're going through, and we're going to go through the 10th, and which is a, a fantastic uh, turf race, this to me was the hardest one because Yajiri, who we picked last time, ran amazingly well. You're all over. Yeah, you're Right, you were all over Yajiri last Ujiri, time. Was, and Yajiri got bet. It wasn't like Yajiri was this, this brilliant pick attempt. Oh, it was a pick. Uh, but I, I think a lot of people are going to overbet this horse off that performance. That's one of the reasons why I'm going to stay away. You know, because if you look, it was a solid performance. Wins by three lengths uh, at Churchill, despite bobbling and being a little wide. But, you know, the buyer came up a little light, in my opinion. You know, an 89, you're not blown away by that. And I think for a horse that's going to be short on this board, uh, I'm not overly impressed. I'm going to go to a horse that I pretty much destroyed last time and said, I don't understand why Wicked Halo is going to be so short. This is the spot I like Wicked Halo in. Buyer speed figures, if you throw out the last race, are much better than most of this field. Gets Tyler Gaffleone, gets the rail. I think this is going to be one of those situations where uh, you're going to see Tyler Gaffleone on the rail, make a nice move. And this horse, clearly, who I think is the fastest out of this field, um, makes a lot of sense at a, what might be a price at five to two or higher. If some of the other horses, uh, get bet has a win at Keeneland. I talked about that, how important I think that is, whether it's the dirt or the turf wicked halo, uh, sits, you know, one or two lengths off, makes a move on the rail. And I think is going to be the best horse in this race. The other horse I'm interested in, I'm going to use at a price is happy soul, uh, eight to one on the morning line returns to the dirt has done some really nice running on the dirt and some very high-graded events, the Ashland, the Miss Preakness, the Victory Ride. Uh, adds blinkers, out of run happily, Wesley Ward, John Velasquez. That, to me, is a little bit of a connections play for me. Um, the horse has run well at Keeneland, hasn't won, but it's hit the board. I get a horse that's 8-1, to one, Wesley Ward, John Velasquez, Keeneland, adding some equipment. I think that's a nice value play underneath. Yeah, um, I, we're on we're on the same horse, uh, Wicked Halo. You know, the the old famous betting line is, if you weren't there for the wedding, don't be there for the funeral. I feel like that's the case with the six, Ujiri. I think the last time to bet him was the last race that he ran, and you were all over him. Um, and he went off 7-2 to two that day. I'm not going to take Ujiri now at 2-1 to one on the morning line. I'm hoping to get some value off of Wicked Halo and that 69 buyer speed figure, which he massively disappointed in his last race. And I agree with you. I think the rail... Gaff Leone, Asmussen, this is the spot, has run well at Keeneland. We obviously know his run well at the distance, um, so I'm going to use him on top. I'm going to use Static Fire for Brian Lynch and Torres underneath. 
um, is going to probably be my exact combination, the one four. I think when you take a look at when you take a look at Static Fire, it's pretty interesting. You know, coming off and and running obviously some turf races and back to the dirt. But if you dig down into his past performances, has run well on the dirt. One for one at Keeneland. Um, you know, the two dirt races has had an 86 and an 83 buyer speed figure. It's Brian Lynch. Um, I think that's, I think static fire is kind of sneaky now, not super sneaky because he's seven and two on the morning line. So it's not like the horse is sitting there at six or eight or 10 to one. And I'm giving you this tremendous value play. No, that's not the case. But I think if, if you look at his past performances, second start off the layoff, working really well, the work September 29th at Churchill Downs, five furlongs and a minute flat, fifth best out of 33. You got to love to see that. That's a tightener for Brian Lynch, getting this horse ready to score your old, uh, Billy out of Spitzer, uh, ready for this race. I think uh, I think Static Fire is live going into the race, so I think it's the one four. Uh, I could easily see it coming out four one either. I think Static Fire is a pretty interesting seven to two morning line shot. Those are my top two picks in race. Make seven. sure to like and subscribe. Betting the ponies on the Bet Rivers Network, Apple, Spotify, wherever you find your podcast. Moose Race Eight at Keeneland, the First Lady Grade One event, a mile on the turf, and I talked about how great the eighth race was. I think for a field of eight. With a short price, this is a really good competitive race. And the interesting thing is, in Italian returns, the horse cherishes every track. The horse has just been phenomenal, uh, really, you know, as she's gotten older. And she's a great speed horse, uh, ran well everywhere. Runs well everywhere, runs well every time. Two for three at Keeneland, four for six at the distance. Uh, last out, one of those things, I saw a lot of people criticize her last out. You know, our friend John in Orange, a lot of other people, ah, it's just, you know, no excuses. That, that that might be true. But I also think if you look at pace, you know, 48, you think, ah, oh, it's not overly fast. I think a contested 48 is still tricky. She was pressured that entire race, and she was able to fight off and just miss with white beam. So, I'm not willing to say that she's lost a step or she's not as great as we thought she was off that race. What I will say, though, is White Beam, the horse that beat her last out, I think is a really up-and-coming four-year-old who is going to be a force to be reckoned with and I think is going to be very tough to hold off this race, especially because in Italian's not the only speed horse. If you look to the outside, this name is okay, has shown some speed in the past. Also, if you look on the inside, Gina Romantica has shown some speed, uh, we don't know what Jumbly is going to do exactly. So I think that this is one of those situations. And yes, EB Jets, I know you were getting to that horse, has shown some speed and has done some crazy things at some prices too, by the way. But I think that this isn't going to be one of those races. Now, we can't predict how the riders are going to do it, where I don't think that Italian is going to be sitting there putting up, you know, 25, 50, blowing them out of the water down the stretch. And I also wonder if that pace doesn't matter, if White Beam has just hit a level where this horse can really excel. Because if you look at how she ran in April, where on a speed favoring track, they went 25 and just missed on EV Jets. So maybe White Beam is one of those horses where pace doesn't matter as much. Because if you look at that race, you look at the Gallaret, the horse wins for fun. Going back to Saratoga last, I'll capitalize on in Italian. I know the distance was a little longer, but this to me is a great race. It's going to be great for an Italian to see how she handles some other speed and deep closers. But I really think White Beam is going to be very tough. That's my topic in this race. Three to one in the morning line, maybe my best bet of the day. And I'm looking forward to the race. Yeah, I'm with you on White Beam. I tried to make a case for Jumbly because I wanted I wanted a better. 
I did. I, you know, I, I really did. I, you know me. I love the Euros when they come stateside. And um, I think it's fascinating to kind of determine the form that they've run over in Europe and, and how it's going to play out here um, in North American racetracks. I tried to get there. I I just don't think she's fast enough. I agree with you. Everything you said about White Beam is dead on correct. I, I think the thing when you're watching this race, I think by the half mile pole you'll know exactly how this race is going to play out. If an Italian, if you're watching this race and an Italian does not get pressured by EV jets on the outside, or this name is okay. Who's 30 to one on the morning line and buyer speed figures. I mean, this name is okay. It's got one purpose in this race is going to the front end. I mean, that's it. If, if this, if Joe, you know, if Rocco doesn't send them or send her, I should say, it doesn't go to the front, uh, then something's wrong. So I don't think an Italian's going to have the controlling speed. Um, I think, and I think you're hundred percent correct. I think contested speed, uh, even regardless of the pace. Now, if they go 51 and they're walking up front, then it's going to be a sprint the final two furlongs. I mean, that's really what it's going to be. And in Italian is, you know, we've seen in Italian really, really be successful. The five-year-old mayor for Chad Brown be really successful and has taken that to another level. I think the last race in the Diana up at Saratoga shows you how talented White Beam is. Uh, uh, Chad has done a tremendous job of finding Euros in these sales and bringing them over to the state side and being really, really successful here in uh, the Northeast. And I think White Beam is going to be a, another example of that. And I think when you look at the fact that she's three to one on the morning line, I'll take White Beam. The fact that she's three to one and in Italian is four to five, morning line's odds makers are basically telling you that maybe the Diana was a little bit of a stumble and not a sign of things to come. You and I believe it's more of a sign of things to come. So I'm all over the two white beam at three to one. I'm going to throw the four jumbly at six to one uh, on the morning line underneath. And, and then just for the sake of these, you'll hear horse players say this all the time, especially when Chad Brown's got other multiple horses in the race. Uh, the other Chad Brown, the other, and that is Gina Romantica at 10 to 1 on the morning line for Tyler Gaffleone and Chad Brown. Tyler doesn't ride for Ty Chad a lot. Unbelievable North, unbelievable jockey Gaffleone is. Um, so I, I'll throw her underneath, but I'm all over the two. I'm going to go 2 4 1 as my top three picks and try and get an Italian. Yeah, I mean, if you look at this race, I mean, 1, 2, and 3, post positions 1, 2, and 3 are all Chad. And if you can get White Beam and Gina Romantica and somehow win Italian out, that's a hell of an exacta for Chad Brown. Yeah, I'd love to see it. Now, listen, it's a little bit of a gamble. I love, I love white. I'll put it to you this way for everyone out there: I love white beam more to win the race than an Italian to run out of the money. So I'm not going to tell you that. Uh, I think it's a lock or anything like that. Any kind of that nonsense that you hear from people, uh, you know, there is no locks in horse racing. There's a lot of things that come along with it, uh, but I, I really do favor white beam in the race, and I think. I think what we saw in the Diana up at Saratoga is a sign of things to come. I'll take the three to one, and I think we'll probably get close to that three to one price when the gates open up on Saturday. Moving on, as we start to look at the two-year-olds now, as they get ready um, to show us what they have for the future, and that is race nine. That is the Breeders' Futurity. Um, start to get a, a look at, unbelievably enough, the 2024 Kentucky Derby, and some of the contenders might be coming out of this race, Moose. Um, these kind of races are always tricky for me, but what I do like is some of these horses have foundation, you know, three or four races underneath them. We can kind of see what they are. We can kind of see what they've done, 
We can see where their speed numbers are at, um, what their trainers think of them. Uh, but when you look at the horse that I kind of like, and that's the three awesome road, one performance at Ellis Park, they paid a ton of money for this horse and did not disappoint in debut. Are you comfortable in a race like this taking a horse that's only run once against horses with foundation? Or do you look for a horse that's run four or five times, is maybe seasoned even at a two year at two years of age? Um, are you comfortable taking a horse that's only run once and really been dominant? No, I, w- I wouldn't be against it. I really wouldn't be. I-, I think it's interesting because, but it's also a stretch out. So it's a little per- bit of a projection. I-, I The comfort level or any kind of fear uh, would be, um, I would say, tampered down because of Brad Cox and Flavion Pratt uh, aboard uh, Awesome Road. You mentioned they spent 600k at the Keeneland, Keeneland uh, September sales uh, a year ago for this horse. So their expectations were strong, ran really, really well uh, at at Ellis, and I would expect I would expect him to give a good account of himself. So I would not necessarily say that I would not necessarily say that the lack of foundation would bother me with a horse like Awesome Road. That's not where I went to go went with. You know, I went with a horse I'm going back to that I liked in the hopeful that I finished second in that race and unfortunately didn't get the price I was looking for that day. Buyer speed figure that day came up a little bit late as well. You know, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go with the two into uh, with uh, Timberlake out of Into Mischief. Uh, they also spent a ton of money. Blinkers off in this race. Brad Cox uh, trained. Florent Giroux has ridden this uh, two-year-old colt every single time that the gates have opened up. Um, you know, has had this good race, bad race kind of thing going 58, 87, 69. I'm hoping for a bounce forward. Um, love the September 23rd work, uh, at Churchill Downs, third best out of 36 going five furlongs and basically a minute flat. Uh, I think we'll improve off the hopeful. Um, I don't think it's necessarily, uh, a reg- I think maybe a little bit of a regression. And now I'm looking off of his uh, performance in the maiden special weight at Ellis, uh, I'm looking for a little bit of a step forward for Timberlake, so that's where I landed. I landed with the two Timberlake uh, in race nine at seven to two on the morning line. And I think we both thought Timberlake was home in the hopeful. Yeah, I did. Yeah, losing to Nutella Fella, it was what forty something. I mean, yeah, Nutella. I mean, it was just coming from out of the clouds, and you know, it's that's what happens when you go a half in forty four and four. I mean, or forty four and two. I mean, that's. That's the problem you have there when you go that quick up front is they are going to be absolutely walking down the stretch, and that led to Nutella Fella flying down the stretch. And what was his odds that day, like 60 to 1 or something like that? Looking into the outside, Moose, Locks is your 7-5 to five morning line favorite. Uh, ran solid debut, finishing third at a price. Did not disappoint as a really short favorite second up. Put up a 96 buyer. 7-5 to five on the morning line for Pletcher and Jose Ortiz. Um as you would like to say, you expect uh, locked after ninety six to bounce to the high heavens here. Yeah, a little bit. Uh, I mean, I, I don't know, a little bit, but it's it's Pletcher and it's Jose Ortiz, and it's the son of one of our favorites, Gunrunner. So, yeah, I, I mean, I think he has every right to be, uh, you know, seven to five on the morning line. None of these horses in this race have really come close to that ninety six buyer speed figure. His performance in that maiden special weight up at Saratoga was really, really impressive. Um, 
but uh, was expected to win that day. And that was toward the tail end of that meet as well and had his way with that race. I think it'll be interesting to see coming off that success if we see a little... Listen, if he moves forward off that race, then then he's an absolute superstar. I don't expect that. They spent a lot of money on the horse. Gunrunner siblings have been running really, really well. We've talked about that time and time again. So Locked, I, I think, is deserving of being the 7-5 morning line favorite. Um, however, I... I think there's other horses in this race that uh, are set up for a natural step forward. I don't think Locked is going to step forward off that 96 buyer. Yeah, and that's why I like Awesome Road. I think an 88 buyer on debut is a really solid number, but it's not one of those numbers that you're like, well, there's no way we're going to get a repetition. I think that's something this horse can improve off of coming out of Quality Road. Certainly can get the distance. If you look at the trainer-jockey combination, they're winning at almost 35%. Um Brad Cox, you know, taking horses from sprint to route close to 30%. So I think he has this horse set up well, working at Churchill relatively consistently. Three to one on the morning line is my top pick. I'll use your horse as well, who I am with you. And we both watched that race. I thought it was home in the whole pool, only to be upset by Nutella Fellow. We talked about the 10th race earlier, the Coolmore Turf Mile, big time Breeders' Cup prep. Mile on the turf here for three-year-olds and upward. Master of the Seas, Indestructible, Stitched, Set Piece, who really stuck it to us in the Arlington Million, up to the mark, who um, I have been pretty much against every race. Um, really impressive, 5-2 to two on the morning line, really impressive in the Manhattan and the Turf Classic. English B, who's a long shot, 30-1, to one, relative, really consistent performer uh, at big prices, hitting the board. Atone, who I think has consistently been overbet as a favorite uh, in the past. Harlan Estate ran well last out. And Annapolis, who uh, really looked like was going to be a big-time player in this division, uh, really fizzled out these last couple of races, losing twice to Casa Creed, not doing too much last out as the short favorite. Uh, Kentucky Downs Moose. And listen, good horses, a really short favorite on the inside. Um, with Master of the Seas, we talked about that wooden by mile in that long stretch. Uh, another Euro Invader, an indestructible set piece who we know how good this horse can be coming down the stretch up to the mark really getting better as he's gotten older especially on the turf english b good field it was tough for me to navigate a winner i got one i think up to the mark is gonna really continue to uh, up his stock as a, a turf horse here todd pletcher jose ortiz you know has been pace compromised and has won has closed into fast he's done all the things you want to see of a really good turf horse. You know, if they're going fast up front, he's going to sit back. He's going to pounce late. If they're not going too fast up front, sat a little closer, made a nice smart move. So uh, I, uh, Jose Ortiz now um, gets them out. I think uh, Jose Ortiz to me, much better on the dirt than the turf, but still a premier rider. Uh, it's good to see Pletcher going with one of the top riders. Now the horse hasn't won at Keeneland, but ran well uh, in the Makers Mark Mile two back, losing to uh, a couple of really good horses, including modern games. But I, I think up to the mark's going to get the setup, and I think we're going to see this horse is really going to be a player going into next month. Yeah, I think he's – I loved him. Turf Classic, uh, Derby Day when he won at 5-2. to two. You know, loved him in the Manhattan when he won that race by daylight. Um, yeah, I, I mean, or won that race impressively, I should say. I think the interesting thing is – one of the interesting notes of this is you're going to look at the past performances and say, well, where the hell is Irad Ortiz? Where his brother's riding him that day. Well, Irad decided to stay at Belmont at Aqueduct because they've got a ton of stakes races as well on Saturday. And that's why you get his brother, Jose Ortiz, aboard. Now, 
I like Jose. I don't think he's as good of a turf jockey as Irad. So that takes a little bit of a hit to me. Um, yeah, but that's where I landed as well. I think he's the best turf horse in North America. Now, the interesting thing is, well, you're going to look to the inside. And I like up to the mark, but you have to give a healthy respect to, to the master of the seas as well, um, who is, uh, you know, James Doyle, Charlie Appleby, Godolphin. The Woodbine Mile was really, really impressive. William Buick's riding at Belmont um, or Be at Aqueduct, Belmont at Aqueduct on Saturday. That's why you got Doyle aboard and not William Buick. Uh, but, I mean, this is a, you know, this is a really, really talented five-year-old gelding out of Dubawi uh, for Charlie Appleby. And, yeah, it's a different racetrack. It's not the same long stretch as it is at Woodbine. If he gets the trip, uh, could he easily win this race? Yeah, I mean, for sure uh, he can. Uh, I don't know if he necessarily gets the similar trip that he did. And I agree with you, Monzo. You talked about the fact we were talking about it a little bit before this podcast, that the stretch is not nearly the same at Keeneland as it is at um, at Woodbine. And there's no doubt that you're talking about the the long, big uh, kind of uh, stretch that you get up in, up in Toronto. Not going to get that here at Keeneland. So therefore, um, I landed, I, you know, I, couldn't wait for up to the mark to get back onto the track. It's been a long time since we've seen him. You know, he ran in June. Um, I think, uh, you know, a son of not this time. Uh, doesn't bother me all that much that Jose Ortiz, that Irad's not here on Saturday, but that's where I landed up to the mark on top and uh, probably my strongest player lean of the day. If you're looking for pace and scenarios like that, Atone has shown some speed in the past. Um Stitched has shown some speed, but neither of these horses, I think, are in the level of some of these horses. I think English Bay, who we talked about before, might be up close. And we've seen this horse consistently hit the board at a big price. So I think if you're looking for an exactor or a triple, a horse you got to throw in there is English Bay. Just look last out in the tappet. 10 to 1 on the morning line finishes just underneath. You look at the Kelso with the Casa Creed Annapolis matchup, who was there at 31 to 1. That was English Bay finishing third. So I think if you're looking for a price underneath, even if you like the idea, of up to the mark and um, a master of the seas. You're looking for a nice trifecta. I think it'd be smart to throw English B in there, but a good field, um, you know, maybe, maybe so, Annapolis does a little, you know, finds a little juice after a couple of, you know, not so great efforts, but tough for me to really decipher. But I, I think the three that I'm going to be looking at up to the mark on top with the uh, master of the seas and English B underneath. Yeah. I think, yeah, I think I just, because, you know, we weren't on him in the Arlington Million, and we've been on him a lot when he's burned a ton of money for us. I think you also have to throw set piece in at five to one um, on the morning line. I think set piece is one of the four. I mean, you five to one on the morning line for Florent Giroux, Brad Cox coming off the Arlington Million victory, hit the hundred buyer speed figure. I think that's one that you got to throw underneath. But really, to be the horses that, if anybody else other than up to the mark or master of the seas win this race, I'd be surprised because I think they have separated. Like I said, I think up to the mark has separated himself here in North America. And we've seen what master of the seas did last race out at Woodbine and what he has done over in Europe. And Appleby sends his horses stateside with an absolute purpose. Moose, it was a blast going through these races with you. I look forward to texting with you as you're probably. It won. Yeah. Just did one more thing before we go, and that is last rate, last week we did our podcast, and Range has absolutely wreaked havoc uh, here in the Northeast, where 
Um, you know, yet uh, Belmont and Aqueduct races getting pushed to Sunday. I, I mean, everything that we saw the span of two days. One race that we picked last week is going to be run um, on Saturday at Belmont and Aqueduct, and that's the Joe Hirsch Turf Classic, a grade one event. Post time is 140. We both love War Like Goddess that day. I still love War Like Goddess that day or on Saturday, uh, and that's the fourth race. Belmont and Aqueduct on Saturday. I think we'll remain the same, five to two on the morning line for War Like Goddess Moose. Great card on Saturday. Great cards all around the country, so we'll be tweeting out some picks. Uh, everybody, have yourself a Saturday, as Wins would say. Make sure to like and subscribe, Betting the Ponies on the Bet Ringers Network. A month away from the Breeders' Cup. We'll see you next week. Thanks for listening to Betting the Ponies on the Bet Rivers Network.